Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. We'd love to hear from you, especially if you have a question about your animals. Dr. Debbie can answer those questions, behavior and uh, medical questions. Of course, groomer Joey Volani, all of your grooming questions. What what type of tutu to wear? What colors, what colors? are in? Yeah. Yes. He'll, he'll help you with that kind of stuff. On the show today, we have animal shrink Dr. Nicholas Dodman. And he's been on many times. This guy is cutting edge. He's, he's going to talk about some of the maladies that dogs and cats and other animals have that are so similar to humans. And we're talking about depression. We're talking about OCD. We're talking about AAD Tourette's. or ADD. Tourette's. Is t- I know. I can't believe animals could have Tourette's. <laughs> so we're going to find out wow. about that in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also, comedian Christina O'Leary will be joining us. And I love it when these comedians come on. They're always funny. That's what makes them comedians. And this one especially, she actually teaches comedy. I want to ask her about that because I, I didn't think you could teach that. I think you're either funny or you're not funny. Uh, it's like teaching love to me. I don't know, but I'll ask her about it. Of course, she's on because she loves her animals and she's raising money uh, for animals in Aruba. Now, when I think of Aruba, Aruba, I think of vacation. Isn't that a place you'd vacation in Aruba? Sure. Sounds yeah. wonderful. So what are the animals that she's rescuing in Aruba? Do they have an animal problem, a dog problem? Hmm. Could we'll be. find out. We'll find out. She's doing some comedy shows to raise money for these animals, too. Uh, so that'll be on the show before we uh, expire today. What are you working on over there in the newsroom, Miss Lori Brooks? Oh, this is so cool. There is an airline which has just turned the dog rescue world upside down by saying that it will be flying rescue dogs for free. Wow. Wow, that's yeah. incredible because airlines these it days, is. they want to nickel and dime you for everything. For everything, yeah. Right, and they don't want to take pets in some cases or they have to fly as you know a certain cargo or something. So this is a, a terrific story and we'll share it with you. Okay, let's go to the phones for your calls first from the free animal radio app for iPhone and Android. So download that now. Uh, we go to Robin. Hi, Robin. How are you? I'm hanging in there. How about you? Very well. What's going on? Uh, well, I had a question for Dr. Debbie. I have a little diabetic pug, and uh, I like to uh, give her treats, but now she's quite restricted. I have found one uh, venue, which is the Old Dog Cookie Company in Maine, that has diabetic uh, treats, and I'm wondering what uh, Dr. Debbie would think about them and if she knows of any other sources. Well, I'm not honestly familiar with that particular um, treat item. Um, But, you know, with diabetic dogs, you know, we definitely, there's, there's two things that we're struggling. One is we're trying to not allow them to gain weight because an overweight pet has a harder time being managed with diabetes. So that's the one struggle. The other is, you know, we don't want to give them anything that's got too much of a high glycemic index that's going to really cause spurs in their blood sugar level. So, um, I, I have to say for the average pet owner, um, I don't get too in the weeds about this. 
meaning that I don't get into too much bother about it as long as we're not doing things that are just just grossly um, unhealthy. So meaning I try to avoid some of the really rich, um, semi-moist treats, things like jerky treats or uh, little pepperoni sticks, um, some of those type of treats. And, and I try to stay to more of a dry biscuit or even, you know, in small amounts, things like little mini rice cakes can be a good little snack. Um, you mean like human well as- rice cakes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's a, a nice little crunch. Um, and, you know, even things like carrots, you know, we do have sugar in carrots, but um, if we're looking to go into something like that rather than giving a kind of a pre-produced um, dog treat um, that we're not really sure what the fat content and how that's going to relate to the diabetes, you know, something like that would be a good substitution as well. All right. Well, this particular company was founded by a woman who had an older diabetic dog, and uh, so she has specially formulated uh this treat with uh, some uh, ingredients that apparently uh, support the diabetic dog. But I'm wondering, uh, I was concerned about uh, feeding between meals because I had been strongly uh, advised by the vet not to give anything between those two meals, after which she has an insulin shot. Mm -hmm. But these particular uh, treats are supposed to be okay. Well, and, and I guess I should comment on that because that is an important thing to think about is that for the average dog or cat that's diabetic, we want the majority of the calories consumed at the time when their insulin is given. Um, so that's how they're going to be best able to process their food and to use that energy. So yes, in general, your veterinarian is saying the right thing. Um, you know, we don't want to give treats throughout the day willy-nilly because that's not going to be in the pet's best interest. Now, we do have some dogs where we do notice that they kind of drop a little bit in their, maybe in their blood sugar curve. And that's, you know, a test that your, your veterinarian does to evaluate the, the timing of when the insulin kind of kicks in and when the blood sugars are going to start to rise again. But I do have some dogs that you maybe at the midday area actually benefit from a little small snack just to keep their blood sugar steady. Well, that's um, just when I uh, give this little uh, treat to her, and I, uh, it comes in small, very dry, hard uh, chips, and I uh, break them and give them. I give them then, and then I give a few uh, when I take them out for their last walk before they go to bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know treats are, you know, it's a big part of, you know, having a pet. I I, I do it myself. Um, but there are actually even situations where we can um, avoid the actual treat item and actually use the dog food because a lot of times it's more the psychological treat than really what we're giving. So yeah. if you are having any dietary challenges with either pancreatitis or managing that diabetes, we could always go back to the diabetic food and just giving that as a treat item and just kind of making a big to-do about it. And uh, many people will find that, you know, you give that piece of kibble and it's just as well received if you kind of do that. Oh, wow, look at this. Ooh, yeah, the song and dance that goes along with it. But you think that this uh, is okay a little at noon and maybe just a tad before bed? I can't state on that particular product. I'm just not familiar with that, unfortunately. Oh, okay. But in, but, but in but general, I'm... Any, any little treat uh, is, is better midday. And uh, then you don't, yeah, the timing sure. is totally fine. I'm fine with that. But yeah, I and I would you know ultimately refer this back to your veterinarian because I don't want to say something that's going right. to jeopardize your pet's regulation. And that's something that we really have to look at those numbers when we check those blood sugar curves to figure out um, you know is there an optimum time when we might want to treat. Right. So. One last quick question: uh, uh-huh. How about canned green beans drained and rinsed 
as a little filler uh, to control weight when when feeding the main uh, uh, breakfast and dinner. Yeah, I'd rather use fresh green beans rather than canned, uh, mostly just because I'm all for unprocessed foods. Right. <laughs> and, you know, there's salt that's added to that, and even sometimes in sugar that's added to those canned products. So, Ooh, yeah. um, you know, a nice fresh green bean has got a nice crisp snap to it. Um, I find that mini dogs find that more fun than a mushy green bean that's just sitting on their food. <laughs> okay. All right. So go raw. <laughs> we agree. So that that's uh, very interesting. Well, thank you so much. This has been very enlightening. Thank you for All your right. call Good today, luck. Robin. Of course, uh, you're guilty of giving the mushy processed green beans. Yeah, you know, but I do buy the cans that no salt added, but uh, I'm going to try the raw. They'll eat raw, huh? Raw green beans? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a lot of clients that their pets actually prefer raw vegetables because of there's like a snap, a crunch, and it's, yeah. you know, um, some dogs really crave that. I'll try it next time. I won't cook them. I'll just buy them raw and see what she thinks. There you go. I don't know if you saw this story, Lori, about the uh, dogs being displaced from the Louisiana flood, and now they're being transferred to prison. Wow, really? Yeah, apparently these 45 dogs and 34 cats that have been displaced from the flood are in a mobile rescue unit now that they got after Katrina, but they, they can't fit in there anymore, and it's just not good enough. So they're moving them to the Dixon Correctional Facility where inmates will care for them. In lieu of their own. Oh, I love this. Yes, because it, it helps the inmates. It helps the dogs. Yep. It's a win-win. It is a win-win. It's probably the most loving relationship those animals will ever have. Other than their owners. Hopefully these well, owners you know, will be reunited eventually with them. Right. But when when you have them with the prisoners, the, pri- yeah. the prisoner is just focused on that animal. Yeah, devoted. They There's no one else. No other yeah. outside interest. Nothing to take away their time. Not to mention that prisoners... Uh, in general, they're, uh, everything's very conditional for them in their life. They're judged all the time. They've been judged, and they're judged mm-hmm. daily. So when you put them in a relationship with an animal that does not judge them, that gives them unconditional love, it does amazing things for both the inmate and, of course, the animal. That's an excellent point. I never thought of that. Wow. Well, Animal Radio was underwritten by Red Barn. That, of course, is your dog's favorite treat company. Now in the kibble business with the first five ingredients featuring real animal protein. This meal is sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings because your dog loves meat. And, well, you know, Red Barn loves your dog. Visit RedBarn.com and use the promo code ANIMALRADIO for 10% off your purchase. That's RedBarn.com with the promo code ANIMALRADIO. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Fido Friendly Magazine presents the 13th Annual Cross-Country Pet Adoption Tour. Get your licks on Route 66. Along with media sponsor Animal Radio, the tour travels down America's favorite highway from Los Angeles to Chicago, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events. The tour has helped place over 14,000 pets into new forever homes in the first 12 years. Log on to FidoFriendly.com to find out where the tour stops near you. And who knows, you just might find your new forever friend. (laughs) 
Roll over. Hey, wait a minute. You haven't taught me how to do that trick. I can give you my paw, though. It's Alan Kimmel on The Mess. Not very good at doing tricks. Time for your amazing dog watch. And there he goes. Buddy the dog climbs trees. I've never seen one climb a tree before. That's Jerry. She's Buddy's dog owner. Or human companion or dog roommate. Whatever you want to call her. He's been climbing trees since he was a puppy. Probably trying to get away from this show. I was nervous about it at first, but now... He seems very sure-footed, and so I don't worry about him. He looks like a squirrel jumping from branch to branch to branch. He just chases. I think I'll start climbing trees. Squirrels need to watch out. This is Animal Radio, baby. Hello, this is Dr. Paul on Animal Radio. The pets are all part of your life. Make them welcome in your life. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go and pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at Low Cost Airlines. 800-958-5306. 800-958-5306. That's 800-958-5306. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Oh, sorry. Was that on? Yeah, it was on. We're just waiting for you, Hal. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. I didn't see the on-air light. In a few minutes, Dr. Nicholas Dodman will be joining us. He's an animal psychiatrist, and he says... Yes, your animals can suffer from the same maladies that humans do. Like imagine a racehorse with Tourette's. What? Tourette's syndrome. Yes, wow. apparently this is a true story. Or cats with obsessive compulsive disorder. Jeez. Yeah, Dr. Dodman, he's amazing in the veterinary field. So it, it I'm really, very excited to hear from him. Really is. I can't imagine what an obsessive compulsive disorder for a cat would be. <laughs> washing their hands several times, licking themselves a lot. I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Checking that the door's locked 20 times when they C- leave. Who knows? Yeah. That's on the way. Also, how does a, how does a horse exhibit Tourette's? That's really interesting. Yeah. That, we'll, we'll ask him in just a couple of minutes. Also, comedian Christine O'Leary will be joining us. She was uh, voted... Let's see if I can find this. Oh, yeah. O'Leary was nominated by Curve Magazine as one of the 50 funniest in America. Curve Magazine. What an honor. We will be the judge of that in just a few minutes <laughs> right here on Animal Radio and see what she's doing for animals. Uh, boy. Lori, <laughs> what's going on in your world over there? Uh, it's hard to top you guys, that's for sure. But um, there's a, a survey that's been done. It's got just different kinds of questions that make the animal world really interesting to us. And And one of the questions is, Okay, we find out that women are slightly more likely to have, as a pet, a dog or a cat. Now, if you take a dog and a cat off the table now, so what kind of pet are men more likely than women to have? Oh, I would totally... If it's not a dog. If it's not a dog or cat. If it's not a dog or cat. Bird? Ferret? Are you going to tell us, or do we have to wait? But but it's pretty interesting. (laughs) Okay. We'll have to stick around for that. That's with Lori in just a few minutes. Also, Robert Semro with five things dog owners need to achieve harmony in the home. 
Five things dog owners need to achieve harmony in the home. Lots of kennels for timeouts. Yeah. Well, we'll find out what he has to say in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. But first, let's go to your calls. Yeah. You're struggling with that tongue today, huh, Al? I am. <laughs> let's take another one for Dr. Debbie. And we have Mike on the phone. Hey, Mike. Hi. How are you doing, Mike? Okay, driving right now. <laughs> what, where are you driving? I'm just coming into Oklahoma City. Oh, okay. Well, we got the doctor here. What's going on with your dog? I have a about a six-year-old American Spit, and she has bad breath. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think she says about you? My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, her brother is fine. He doesn't have any problems. I got her when she was three months old, and she more or less had it since then. We've tried everything. Okay. What have you now, tried? I, well, I've tried all kinds of dog bones, you know, they used to, uh, it's supposed to be for bad breath and dogs and stuff, okay. and nothing has helped her. Okay. My um, first and my biggest question for you is, have you had her in to have her teeth evaluated and cleaned at your veterinary office? She's going to go in when I get home. Awesome. She does have some flack on the back ones. Now, and this is one thing I know, I even bought some... Um, Somebody was talking about it a while ago on taking to their dogs to um, a groomer, and the groomer is doing it, which is illegal. Oh, yeah. We talked about that before. Well, the anesthesia-free dental cleaning that got you so steamed, Dr. Debbie. It did, yeah. Now, I'm not opposed to... I don't don't think that. No, and I don't think I have a problem with groomers doing teeth brushing. Brushing is different, but I think that's your job as a pet parent at home to do regular brushing. But, yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of the uh, let your uh, hairdresser uh, clean your child's teeth thing. That's just no, out of my part. No, no, I'm not either. The number one cause of bad breath in dogs is periodontal disease. So that's why I was asking you if you had regular dental cleanings done. So any bad breath in your pet, I'm going to say lift that lip up, and I'm going to say it's most likely due to the bacteria film and the plaque products on the teeth and along the gum line. So we have to address that first. So you may throw all the dental bones at your baby and all the rinses and gels, but if we're not really getting to the core problem of that bacteria film and and removing plaque, that's the the, the bare bones getting to the pets. Same things I'm going to do when I get her home this time. But she's on the road with me all the time. Yeah, and then once we get the teeth evaluated, cleaned, hopefully there's no bad teeth in there. But in many cases, in my own dog, I was fooled by this. Uh, outer teeth looked great and then ended up probing the teeth when we had them under for a teeth cleaning. And we actually had a pocket behind one of the teeth, and that was a rotten root. There was no outward sign. So we took an x-ray, found a bad tooth in my perfect mouth dog. So there can be problems that lurk under that gum line. So I, I definitely I applaud your efforts at getting your dog's teeth cleaned. And then from there, we can try things. Things like brushing the teeth, preferably three to seven times a week would be best. Um, and then yeah. using things like rinses and uh, water additives, things like that, that might help keep that mouth fresh. Yeah, that's what I found. I found some stuff that it's a gel that you put on her teeth for the plaque. Mm-hmm. And then plus some stuff that's a mint flavor in her water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I yeah, tried that for about four days and it didn't even touch yeah. her breath. <laughs> Because that stuff on the teeth is like cement. So, yeah, that's and that's why it's hard for some of these um, ancillary products to kind of help because, yeah, we got to get the, the grossness off those teeth. And, yeah. you know, n- not everybody, like, 
can, if you guys could see what we pull off a dog's teeth, you'd really I, understand. And it's really some I, gross stuff. I've actually had dogs tartar chip across, and thank God I had glasses on, and almost hit my eye. We're talking yeah. really concrete it's, it's stuff. It's hard stuff. Yep. So, well, well, best wishes with the dental cleaning, and uh, hope they don't find anything serious. But if they, uh, hopefully, just clean things up and get you on the right path for some home care that you can do either while you're on the road um, or when you're settled um, into different areas. So, there's a lot of different avenues that you can do, and even some dental diets that can be helpful preventing plaque accumulation and that periodontal disease. So. Oh, we got a lot of homework you can do. We wish you <laughs> Thank the you so much best for your of call. Life, Mike. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 
57% of Russians, more than half, have a pet cat, compared to only 27% who have a dog. France and the United States, though, are just behind Russia in the percentage of cat owners. Some other findings that are interesting from this survey, Asian countries had the smallest number of people who own pets, and the country with the least amount of pets is South Korea. Now, when it comes to the battle of the sexes, you know, the women versus men thing, the survey found that women are slightly more likely to have a dog or a cat as a pet. However, I thought this was hysterical. Men are more likely than women to have pet fish. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You you know, you think about that. Uh, Any guesses on which country takes the title of having the most pet fish? China. (laughs) U.S. United States. (laughs) Now, keeping fish as pets is most popular in, we got to give this to Hal, China. Uh, He knew if he kept Uh, saying China, he'd eventually get it. Yeah, he'd eventually get one. And you got one, too, pretty close. Uh, Birds as pets. Any guesses on that country? Uh, See, and I'd say like South America, Latin America. Yeah. Yeah. Turkey. 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 People in Turkey. Yeah. Wow. I know there's some real curveballs in that survey, but there sure is. it was very interesting. Now, really, Hal, I have to tell you, um, sent me this story, and I read it. <laughs> it was just so amazing. I have to say, I looked at it. I almost shot him an email and said, thanks a lot, Hal, because now I'm bawling my eyes out. Um, so I, I'm going to tell you about these pictures. Uh, if you've seen them already, you've probably shed a few tears yourself, but there are 26 photos that capture the moments a pet owner is treating her dog to a, a fun-packed, if it can be that, final day before taking the dog to the veterinarian and saying a final goodbye. Mm. It's just a, a heartbreaker. It really was. An injured user shared the pictures of a pit bullish-looking dog named Hannah. And Hannah was enjoying some of her favorite things on her last day. The first photo shows uh, Hannah sitting in the front seat of the car, holding her head down. It's kind of a sad picture. And uh, the owner captioned it, I I don't know if she knows or not, which puts a lump in your throat, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The next picture shows uh, Hannah, really sad, kind of puppy dog eyes looking at the camera in the caption. She trusts me to make a choice, no matter how hard it might be. And that really is just so true. But these, the pictures, I mean, every picture was just so moving. And it just becomes more and more tear-jerking from there. Another picture of Hannah says, I know she's tired, but the stairs are hard, the hills become mountains, and the pills don't work. And then the next photo caption is a picture of Hannah, of course, Hannah the dog. But if I have to make that choice, the owner writes, then let's make the last day the best one yet. Mm-hmm. And there are some uplifting pictures in there. And making Hannah's last day the best, the owner first treats her to some pampering and captured a few images of her getting a hot bath for her aching bones and Oh, and then she had a heart-shaped beauty mark, a temporary tattoo kind of thing, put on Hannah's shoulder. And then Hannah went to McDonald's and got a cheeseburger. Oh, yeah. And uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like, uh, I've done that before. I've taken a dog through the magic window to get some McNuggets. <laughs> um, but then come the photos of Hannah's human siblings saying their goodbyes to the dog they've known all their lives. You know, and how do you tell children that? They're probably, I don't know, about six and eight, I, if I had to take a guess. Uh, then there's a few happy photos. Hannah wearing pink, a uh, pink bandana, getting her nails painted pink and all this stuff. And and she's standing there with another dog, and both the dogs are smiling. It's an old dog friend of hers. Uh, the second to the last photo, so you're getting to the end. You're already crying, right? And the series shows uh, Hannah in the car with her owner. This is the second to the last photo as they ride to the vet clinic together. Mm. And then the last photo, you know, you think, okay, if this is them going to the vet. Uh, the last photo was just uh, heart-shattering. I couldn't get it out of my head for several hours is the owner, a girl, young girl, probably in her 20s, I would say, early 30s, lying on the floor next to Hannah. They're both there on a blanket, and she is tightly hugging, and you can see her face as she has her arms around her dog on the tile floor, on the blanket, as, you know, the life slips out of her baby. Sure. That was, uh, you know, anybody who has ever had to do that, I think it just really brought back the, all that pain. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I'm going to post the links to that if we can over at the website. Oh, or you make have our to. Facebook page. For I that. saw that. And yeah. you know what? That, that's such a great idea. If you have to put your animal down, your dog, it's why not just give them a one great last day? <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love yeah. it. You know, I thought so too. It, it, you know, it's like they deserve a day. It's not like you know coming home from work at five o'clock and getting them to the vet by six. Yeah. Yeah. You Spend know, the day it with them. Doing things they enjoy. Right. So how thank you for sending that. I, I, I don't know that I would have had the courage to look at it, but it was um, oh, oh. it was real touching. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. You look at the photos. I'm going to wrap it up. I'm Lori Brooks. Be sure that you get more breaking animal news. We'll give it to you anytime you need it, where we will have the links to those photos at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Simro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List. Five things dog owners must do to achieve harmony in the home. There are certain things that every dog owner should do to achieve harmony in the home. And while some of them seem obvious, things like patience and knowledge, well, how those are used and applied are quite different, and patience and love only go so far. So let's begin with having a regular schedule. In other words, what are you going to do with your dog on a regular daily basis? It doesn't have to be complex or wild, but it should be consistent. Having a plan is a key to harmony, regularity, and of course a peaceful environment. Next, what activities will you be a part of on a regular basis? Much like your two-legged children, your four-legged kids also need a regular schedule and pattern. Will there be daily walks, swims, or just a good amount of time devoted to belly rubs on the couch watching TV? Again, consistency is important. Activities have a huge impact on their physical and mental health, so a daily walk is almost a must-do for most breeds. And then there are some breeds who excel at outdoor activities, things like frisbee catching, agility courses, dock diving, and so much more. There's never been more things to do with your dog than there are today. Find something that you love and they'll love it as well. Next, you can't exercise your way out of a bad nutritional diet. 
So depending on your previous answers, you'll now need to figure out what your nutritional approach is going to be. There's so many important things to understand about nutrition that you need to commit some time and effort to understanding your pooch's needs. Again, nutrition's the foundation for everything we get out of our pets. One of the more common things I'm hearing about these days is pet allergies. And does your pet have a food allergy? Would you even know if they had a food allergy? And did you know that there are tests that can help you determine if your dog has food allergies? Work with a qualified veterinarian or pet nutritionist to find out what's best for your dog. It'll save you time, money, and your best friend can avoid some of those messy, upset stomachs. Health planning is also important. Remember, just because your pet isn't showing symptoms of being sick doesn't mean that you should skip a visit to the vet. Additionally, every dog owner must have a team. That's right, assemble your super dog team. That team should include a veterinarian, a groomer, and a caregiver who can watch your pet when you're not available to. I know there's many other things that you can add to that team, and I encourage you all to do that. In the end, your dog will find peace and harmony when you find peace and harmony. Share your dog parent home harmony solutions on our Animal Radio Facebook page. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go and pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-958-5306. 800-958-5306. That's 800-958-5306. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. I always love visiting with comedians, and this next comedian, what I love about her bio is uh, she was nominated by Curve Magazine as one of the 50 funniest lesbians in America. And we welcome to the show (laughs) comedian Christine O'Leary. Hi, Christine. How are you doing? Oh, I am so awesome now that I have you on the phone and everything. Isn't that the funniest credential of all time? I do I'll love take it. it. I do love it. <laughs> we're having you on because, well, not only are you a big old animal lover there, but uh, you, you just I had... I thought you were going to say big old lesbian right there, but anyway, <laughs> that too. You just did a uh, comedy event, one of these shows, to raise money for an organization that's rescuing cats out of Aruba. I, I was unaware that there were problems with cats in Aruba. It's actually dogs. Dogs, and, okay. Exactly. And um, really, it's an amazing organization because Aruba as a country really is not doing a good job at all uh, by way of dogs and um, neutering and spray, spaying and, uh, you know, capturing and, you know, getting them under control. And so they are euthanizing uh, dogs. And they're now my friends, but they went over there and they 
were on vacation and, you know, these women and, right, were dog, just as a people, just to go back to the lesbian for 30 seconds. <laughs> I don't know one people who loves animals more than lesbians. I know everyone does, but I'm just saying it's kind of part of our people. So anyway, uh, they discovered this, and some of them were pilots, and so they started working to rescue these animals out of Aruba before they were euthanized, really street dogs, and finding them homes here. And I loved what they were doing so much because they made their vacation into good and by way of these dogs. So uh, they've placed, I think, almost a 1,000 dogs uh, just in a while. So Wow. Yeah. So I said, well, I'll be your dog mule. I'll go to Aruba and, you know, buy the ticket for the dog to bring home the dog to foster, to send to a foster um, or a permanent place. So it's terrific. It's really great to get to take stand-up comedy and to make it do good. And animals have no voice, as you know. And so... It's you haven't heard my cats. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. So, so you did this comedy show with other comedians, I take it? I did. I teach stand-up. Oh, um, really? Yes. I have a uh, uh, perfect work ethic to be a teacher because I'm also codependent. So I like to share the tricks uh, <laughs> with everyone so that everyone can get as high as I am on... Uh, getting the laughs and so my students they're actually not just my students they're legitimate stand-up comics and so i said you guys we got to step up to stand up comedy for a cause so we raised a lot of money for aruba dogs and a new chance and you're uh, doing it again is that correct october 4th exactly we just keep doing it we're like a machine now well comics always want stage time right sure do you have dogs now I do. I have tilly who's a little king charles cavalier spaniel 16 pounds uh, little Red Ruby, and her name is Tilly. Some people call her Tillalicious. Uh, she's terrific. She had a really strange, uh, spooky uh, stroke uh, a year ago, and she's completely rehabbed. Do you teach her comedy? Uh, I do teach her comedy. She's uh, Well, we're kind of like Grey Gardens, especially ever since my partner and I, ever since she had the stroke, like we're the crazy dog ladies now. Uh-huh. You know, we're like, she's special. She gets a car seat. We pretend she's our baby. Do you dress yeah. her up? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, she's really good in a tutu, <laughs> very good in a tutu. Doesn't like the hair stuff, but she's very flexible post-stroke. You'd never know she had a stroke, but she's, she's not snarky anymore. She's like, hey, man, I can stand up. Let's get dressed up, just like Mommy. Well, you're doing story. wonderful things for the animals. Before we go, i got to ask you, because I really thought you could not teach comedy. I thought that would be like teaching love. Do you ever have, like, a student that just is a real dud? It just can't just, do it. not funny? <laughs> Here's the thing. A few things maybe you didn't know about stand-up. Probably sometimes, but not exactly, because comedy is a way to tell the truth, and comedy is a way to solve a problem, and everyone really has both. So if people sort of follow the instruction and the group process that I take people through over the course of eight weeks, course is $300. Some people say it's cheaper than therapy. <laughs> that uh, We go through a group process and we rip and read and we figure out with the group whether the ideas are formulated or not, where the laughs are, and we build on those laughs. The other thing I want to tell you is that if you think of a traditional stand-up comedy room or club, the backdrop is a brick wall, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. The stage is tiny and it's ice cold down there. It's usually dark and people are packed in. That brick wall by design, is because it's for a reason. Doing stand-up comedy is to simulate an assassination. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> only one of two things is going to happen. The comic's going to kill or the comic's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just to quickly, I promise, just about animals in, in reference to this. People always ask me about hecklers in clubs. What's that about? And I always talk about Mutual of Omaha. Remember that nature show, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. the gazelle would be like running across. So that's the comic. We all want that gazelle to make it. That's, we're all watching. That's why comics, we jam them in that room. Your audience wants you to win. But if that gazelle trips on one rock, yeah. we're like, where's the jaguar? Take her throat out. It's going down. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we also want to watch that. But remember that. You know, I really appreciate your, all of your listeners really supporting stand-up because it's amazing to hear people's stories like that they work really really hard i have doctors lawyers people who just got married going through divorce chemo and it really it can up the quality of your life because you'll own your first five minutes in a way you've never owned your life before pets and comedy they're the two things that are just going to make you feel really good and i got to tell you i'm going to give up my shrink i'm calling him after the show today and i'm going to start taking your classes Do <laughs> it. Uh, is the website we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com thanks christine thank you animal radio need a fix of the good stuff get more animal radio with the free animal radio app for iphone and android Your dog loves meat. That's why they'll love the new line of Red Barn Dry Dog Food. The first five ingredients in each Red Barn recipe are meat, fish, or poultry. Sure to satisfy your dog's carnivore cravings. The added functional ingredients make Red Barn Dry Dog Foods the perfectly balanced meal for your best friend. Available in land, ocean, and sky recipes. Your dog loves meat. We love your dog. Head to redbarn.com to use the promo Animal Radio for 10% off your first bag. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Coming up this hour, besides your calls from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android, this hour, Dr. Nicholas Dodman. He is an animal psychiatrist. This is probably his fourth or fifth appearance here on Animal Radio. And he says racehorses can have Tourette syndrome. Dogs can have epilepsy. Cats can have OCD. I wonder if there's any animals that have ADD. Bird. Hmm. Bird. Is there any animals, <laughs> any dogs that don't have ADD? That's, that, that's my question. He uh, has a brand new book called Pets on the Couch, and we'll talk to him in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Hey, I have some hot stock tips for you, Ooh. and they all have to do with animals, pets, somehow. I mean, and these stocks are making lots of money, great returns. I will tell you that I have a little bit of control over my retirement account and that I can select the stocks that I want in my retirement account. And I have selected some animal stocks and they have just outperformed. They they have done phenomenal. And I don't know if it's just a little bubble now or something, but we'll find out more with Lori Brooks in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Let's go to the phones. Hey, Sherry, how are you doing? I'm excellent. How are you? Very good. Where are you calling from today? Good. I am calling from Sun River, Oregon. Sun River. Is it sunny in Sun River, Oregon? It most certainly is. Right by the river. Oh. So what's going on with your animals? <laughs> well, you know, I'm doing a lot of camping, 
And um, although in this area we don't have a lot of fleas, we do have ticks. So I'm just kind of curious about if there's some alternative I can give to them other than, uh, you know, some organic method that I can try to keep them from it rather than the, the stuff that's on the market. Yeah, you know, most of the the things that people recommend that are, um, you know, give orally are, are more for fleas and kind of the old, you know, um, garlic and brewer's yeast and so forth. And I don't even find those work for fleas. So, no, I don't recommend those kind of things for tick repellency. Um, okay. As far as there have been some, uh, and this is a dog we're talking about, not a cat, right? Correct. There, there are some um, products that use essential oils, such as the... Uh, eucalyptus, lemon oil, geranium oil, um, that that can actually have repellency effect against some parasites, um, external parasites. The challenge is is that they have to be processed or they have to be used in a safe manner, meaning that uh, essential oils can actually be toxic um, to animals if they're ingested in large amounts or they're applied directly to the skin in high concentration. So um, that that could be something that you could look at doing. And I've seen some folks um, even use that kind of stuff um, uh, in different uh, topical products or on the pet's bedding, um, in their uh-huh. in the home um, bedding area, uh, I'm sorry, their kennel area. Um, uh-huh. So that's a thought. Um, as far as the, I mean, there's some really great flea, I'm sorry, flea and tick collars that have some great efficacy. So I'm kind of inclined to recommend those type of things, like the prevent tick collar can be really nice. Um, it's not necessarily okay. organic, um, but it can really help with pets that are in those environments that we have um, ticks. Okay, so the collars are probably a, a better idea than that. Because the other stuff also chemical, and I really don't like that. But the collar you could take on and off if they weren't if they were outside with you, you could put it on, and then when they're inside you could take it off. You could, yeah. Although there's some benefit of keeping that on when they're still in the general environment, um, because we want to okay. keep that um, on them. So I wouldn't necessarily take it on and off unless there okay. was some sensitivity to it. Um, okay. But yeah, a lot of those collars can really be helpful to repel those critters and to keep them from t- setting up an infestation. Um, okay. So, and, and you're not dealing with fleas at all. It's mostly the ticks, huh? No, it's just fleas. I've just excuse me. Yes, it's just ticks. We don't have any fleas in our area at all. Okay. Okay. Lucky yeah. you. And, yeah. yeah. And, you know, there are some really wonderful products that do work for fleas and ticks that are more um, that you can find through your veterinarian that last for sometimes as long as four months. Um, so okay. those are more of like an oral product or some of the topicals that have some nice efficacy for that. But I understand if you're kind of looking for a different different direction, something you don't want to give uh, them to ingest directly. Right, right. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you for your call. No fleas in Sunny River. It's, it should be No Fleas Sunny River. Is what they should call Jeez, it. Hell. That sounds like a song. Ticks, though. Lots of ticks. And you know what? When you're removing them, you've got to be so careful removing those puppies. Yeah. You don't want to leave behind those little mouth parts because then they'll get an infection and, and certainly get quite uncomfortable with that. So We'll head back to those phones in just a couple of seconds for Dr. Debbie and dog father Joey Volani. Now, uh, Nike, the studio stunt cat, he's on uh, Prozac. Is that correct? Kitty Prozac. Kitty Prozac. Yes, Do you know he why, is. He, uh, why is he taking he, Prozac? He was a very anxious cat. He couldn't relax. He used to pace. He would pace 
the walls, every corner and walk the whole length of a wall and go into another room and walk along the walls and he'd spray and he just, the other cats would be sleeping and he was like awake 95% of the time and he couldn't, he couldn't relax. Oh, wow. I guess I was a little surprised to find out that your cat was being treated with a medicine that's uh, used for humans. It's made a big difference. He can finally rest during the day and sleep and he's not so anxious. You know who we have on the phone is my favorite animal shrink, Nicholas Dodman. Hi, Nicholas. How are you doing? Dr. Dodman. Hey, I'm good. Thank you. Brand new book called Pets on the Couch, Neurotic Dogs, Compulsive Cats, Anxious Birds, and the New Science of Animal Psychiatry. It, it seems like we're treating animals for all too human problems. Well, that's kind of the point of the book. Um, you know, over the 35 years I've been at Tufts, for the most of that time I've been a animal behaviorist. And, you know, I started out not really realizing the similarity between uh, pets behavioral issues and human psychiatric and psychological problems but i found myself studying a condition that was later renamed obsessive compulsive disorder and then we in the process of looking at that we stumbled across a canine version of autism wow and then we found you know that the human drugs that treat those things will also treat cats as you were saying at the top of the show there and then we found animals with ptsd which were a mirror image of the human disorder. And then we found different types of anxiety, generalized anxiety, even to, you know, one of the chaps in the book is about Tourette's disease in a horse. Tourette's in a racehorse, wow. How does that manifest itself? Well, um, if you know anything about Tourette's in people, uh-huh. you know, it starts at about seven years old. Well, it starts at the equivalent age in a horse, about 18 months. And they start to make a strange noise, and not all of them, but not all Tourettes um, utter these strange profanities or other words. But Uh uh, In fact, the title of the chapter is called The Horse Who Went Harumph, and it was a bizarre vocalization that didn't kind of seem like equine language as we taught it to the students, uh, something completely bizarre. They also have a large head-neck motor tick, which a lot of um, Tourette syndrome sufferers have, and striking out with one limb, which uh, Tourette sufferers do. It's called hemibilismus, and it occurs mainly in males, as does Tourette syndrome in people. And, and the, the story, on about 14 out of 14 points, the parallels are precise. Wow. We even got the attention of the Tourette syndrome association, who totally believed us, gave us a grant to look at the drugs that they use in people and to see how they worked in the equine model, they thought of it. And it was exactly the same treatments that turned on or turned off serotonin, uh, turned on or turned off dopamine uh, and other neurotransmitter systems had precisely the same effect in the horse as they did in people. And Doc, I have a question because I have a lot of you know patients with OCD, especially I can think of a bull terrier that was doing a lot of tail chasing. So when, when someone comes in and says, I think my dog is a slow learner, how, how do you um, counsel them into saying, you know, it's more of a training issue or maybe it's in fact something like autism? We started out, you know, my, my first interest I just mentioned was uh, repetitive disorders, which were later renamed by a psychiatrist. As a matter of fact, um, Dr. Judith Rappaport first noted that the acral lick disorder, where dogs compulsively lick their wrists, actually has so many parallels with the human hand-washing uh, version of OCD. Um, and so I was looking at bull terriers as if they had OCD. Um, they, but 
funnily enough, we did some EEGs, you know, brainwave studies on them, and they also had um, seizures, a type of seizure anyway. And they also, the tail chasers tend to be males. The ratio is four to, five to four, male to female. And they also tend to have trouncing spells where they freeze under bushes. And they can also, not all of them, but they can also have explosive aggression. And bottom line is when you put all those signs together and more, um, they're the same signs as happen in uh, autistic spectrum disorders in people. But even so, just the look of it did not really convince uh, one journal we tried to submit that uh, premise to, the Journal of Autism and Childhood Developmental Disorders, and they said, we would believe you, but you really need to have some kind of biological marker so it's not just looks like, but actually is like. So we talked to a human autism expert at Tufts University, Dr. Theo Herodes, nice Greek name, and he said, yes, in autistic children, you have elevation of a strange material called neurotensin. It's present in everyone, but it's elevated in autistic children. And also you have problems with the, um, you know, the, the stress axis in the brain and increased um, ACTH, adrenocorticotrophic hormone. So we said, all right, we've got to prove it. So we go and get blood samples from affected versus control significantly elevated in the dogs just like in the autistic children so now we had the biomarker we finally got the paper published in a journal called translational psychiatry which is a very prestigious journal and one of the nature series of journals so it wasn't in some backwater with you know no reviewers or poor reviewers this was really given the, the ninth degree we are with dr nicholas dodman uh, who's been? This is got to be your fourth or fifth time on Animal Radio. We, your life is all about animal psychiatry and animal behaviorists. And I have a great question about depression and suicide coming up next. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be back with Dr. Nicholas Dodman right after this. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah blah blah. Browse on over to AnimalRadio.pet. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at FearFreeHappyHomes.com. Fido Friendly Magazine presents the 13th Annual Cross-Country Pet Adoption Tour. Get your licks on Route 66. Along with media sponsor Animal Radio, the tour travels down America's favorite highway from Los Angeles to Chicago, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events with the help of companion sponsor Zymox, cat food sponsor Catit, hotel sponsor My Place Hotels, campground sponsor KOA, advocate sponsors Sure Pet Care and Home Again, Tito's Vodka for Dog People, and Embrace Pet Insurance, the tour has helped place over 14,000 pets into new forever homes in the first 12 years. Community sponsors Hands On Gloves, Brutus Bone Broth, Buddy Belts, and Dog TV go along for the ride while we bring our giant spinning wheel filled with prizes you can win. Log on to FidoFriendly.com to find out where the tour stops near you. And who knows, you just might find your new forever friend. Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We'll head back to the phones in just a couple of minutes. But first, we're back with Dr. Nicholas Dodman, animal psychiatrist and author of Pets on the Couch. 
Neurotic Dogs, Compulsive Cats, Anxious Birds, and the New Science of Animal Psychiatry, his latest book. I got to ask, how do you tell if your dog or cat is depressed and like humans, you say they're so much like humans, can they commit suicide? Well, first of all, they can be depressed. Usually it's in a state of bereavement that, you know, maybe they've lost, you know, sometimes um, through death, um, a very closely bonded canine companion. Sometimes it's the moving out of an owner, you know, a divorce situation where a husband is no longer around, for example. Sometimes it's the death of the owner. And after that, a formerly joyful, springy, happy dog suddenly turns into a moping dog who just sort of mopes around the house. His world seems gray. He's no longer interested in his toys. He has very little energy for walks. He might eat less. He might lose weight. He might sleep more in a 24-hour cycle. And in fact, basically everything that a human would show in depression. And they look sad, but a lot of my colleagues say, you can't say that because you don't know they're sad. Well, I do choose to read the tea leaves, and I think they are sad and depressed and mopey. But remember, that is a state of depression. So what they don't get is a trait of depression. At least we haven't found it yet. Um, but in terms of suicide, they wouldn't, want to know, wouldn't know how to do it. And, and I don't think they would even have that thought. They might think life is pointless, but there's, there's no way they can think their way out of that. I mean, even for a person, it's pretty tricky. You know, how am I going to, am I going to drive my car first? Am I going to dr- jump off a bridge? Am I going to eat a bottle of pills? I mean, none of those outlets are really available to them, even if they were savvy enough to think about it. But, you know, they don't seem to have, you know, one part, I mean, they're not, their computer, which is their brain, is not as uh, swift as ours. It's not, not, it's great at being a dog, but it doesn't have, like say, one um, aspect would be abstract thought. They don't think abstractly, um, like, where did I come from? You know, what am I doing on this planet? Um, what's going to happen after I die? Will I be reborn, or, or is there a sort of a, a, a god who's dog, a dog god? I mean, they, they don't have those thoughts. They sort of live more in the moment. And I personally don't think they're capable of suicide. Uh, I did have one owner who said they thought their dog had committed suicide because they were in a high-rise in New York City and the dog was terrified of loud noises and they had a flexi-lead on it with a big plastic chunk as the handle and they dropped it behind the dog and the dog fled upwards and kept running, 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 running and ran straight off the edge of the high-rise. I said, oh, he committed suicide. But I don't think so. Yeah. What about uh, ADD? A lot of people say, I have ADD. Can animals have attention deficit disorder? Um, it depends who you ask, but you're asking me, so I would say yes. And, you know, there's a lot of my colleagues in the American College of Veterinary Behaviorists, ACVB, who uh, totally agree. Um, you know, one of my colleagues said, personally, I diagnose about 32% of all the patients who come to see me, I diagnose with ADHD. And the fact is, he has it himself, so I think he sees more than actually is. I think it's not, not as common as that. There are other people who say they believe in it, but they haven't seen it. Another couple of people who might say I've seen one or two cases that I think were it. But I've had cases where the owner keeps saying, you know, he's so hyperactive. And I'm very careful to define uh, hyperactive versus overactive, because if a dog is just overactive, he's full of energy, full of beans, always wants to go for a walk, especially a high-energy breed or individual um, all they need is the right amount of exercise and a proper diet and clear communication and proper outlets for their energy. 
But if it's ADD or ADHD, really, um, they they don't, uh, you know, it's impossible, you know, with, with exercise and all the normal things to get it under control. I usually start that way by treating them as if they haven't got it, as if they're overactive. But when that isn't working, I sometimes do what is known as a Ritalin trial. So you take, you know, one of the common drugs to treat ADD is um, Ritalin, which is a stimulant, and we give, I give it to them in increasing doses until I see an effect. And if that effect is that they become hyperactive, then the, 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 which is what would happen for a normal person or dog given effectively speed, they would speed up. Um, but if all of a sudden they become super calm and the owner starts reporting back, wow, he seems just like a normal dog. That's not what should happen with a stimulant unless you have ADD. Mm. I imagine that there's a big wall you have to climb convincing people that animals suffer from the same maladies as humans, psychological maladies. Yeah, well, this book is sort of the grappling hooks to help them climb that wall into realization that they have thought processes that are similar to our own. You know, there's so many people still out there, they say, oh, dogs don't have a sense of time, do they? Yes, they do. Yeah. You you leave them for an eight-hour day. They're as bored as you would be if you were left alone with nothing to do for eight hours. Sure. Um, and, and dogs, they, they, they don't remember things, do they? Why, yes, they do. And I can <laughs> prove that in spades. You know. And, you know, okay, so they can be frightened of something, but they don't have secondary emotions, which I talk about in the book. Uh, yes, they do. Uh, maybe even tertiary emotions, too. Um, do they realize um, the, the latest hurdle for animals is do they have a theory of mind which means do they recognize themselves as sort of independent agents? You know, um, here I am, Jasper the dog, and there's my pal, Rusty the dog, who incidentally are both sitting right next to me. Um, do they realize that each one realizes they are them and the other one is another entity who sometimes has different ideas that they can capitalize on? That would be theory of mind in action. And uh, yes, they do. And you got to check out the book. It's called Pets on the Couch, Neurotic Dogs, Compulsive Cats, Anxious Birds, and the New Science of Animal Psychiatry. I have 10 copies to give away right now. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to Amazon and pick up this intriguing read from Dr. Nicholas Dodman. And as always, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Good to be back. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Start your dog's daily dental routine with Red Barn's new dental treats, Chewables. Thoughtfully designed with ridges and grooves to help control plaque and tartar buildup in between your dog's dental vet visits. Chewables are natural, easily digestible, and your dog will love them. Red Barn Chewables, the tastiest way to brush your dog's teeth. Learn more at redbarn.com today. Use the promo code ANIMALRADIO and you'll get 10% off your purchase. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, do you play the stock market? You are going to love me for this one. Americans' attachments to their pets has fostered, you know, a $60 billion industry that is producing some best-in-show stock performances. Shares of several companies, animal-related companies, pets, that, you know, sell pet food, develop diagnostic medical tests for animals, or uh, offer veterinary care, These companies, their stocks, have far outrun the many other types of stocks this year with an average total return of nearly 35%. 
versus the other performing around 8% on the S&P 500. Shares of animal health testing company IDEX Laboratories, for example, have skyrocketed more than 50% this year, while vet clinic operator VCA is up 31%, and pet food maker Blue Buffalo Pet Products is up 40%. Fresh pet stocks are up 25% this year. It's just amazing. that Those are all incredible returns. Business experts say this is all due to the humanization of pets that we have going on and consumers' willingness now to spend on their pets very heavily because pets are increasingly being considered part of the family. A Nigerian man is being charged with provoking people and breach of peace because he named his dog after Nigerian President Muhammadu Buhari, the man who lives in southern Nigeria, bought his dog, named it Buhari, and then wrote on both sides of it the name Buhari and then paraded it in front of a bunch of people from northern Nigeria, which is where the Nigerian president is from. You following this? Yes. The dog owner was then um, arrested by police who say his action was too provocative and capable of breaching the peace. And here's why. Because Nigeria is in the middle of its worst economic crisis in decades. And, you know, tensions many times erupt between northerners who are Muslims and the people from the predominantly Christian southern part of the country. So they've got this civil war going. Well, the man from the south painting the name of the president who is from the north is too provocative for times of civil strife. But interesting that he used a dog to do that. I I hope he really loved the dog, was my thought. Mm -hmm. Following a successful Kickstarter campaign, Feline Environmental Enrichment Design Company has launched a very cool no-bowl feeding system. It's the world's first, they say, indoor hunting system for cats. Hunting? It's hunting. Huh, okay. Hunting as a way of feeding them, you know, getting them simulated living in like an, a more natural environment. It's uh, based on the science of feline behavior and environmental enrichment and designed, they say, to satisfy a cat's natural hunting instinct and also, you know, manage their weight, give them a little more exercise, prevent some anxiety and uh, prevent digestive issues. Now, during its brief Kickstarter campaign, it became fully funded in only four days raising more than $170,000. Wow. Now, here's what it, yeah, it comes with. That's a lot of money. It consists of five no bowls of what they call a portion filler and a training toy to teach cats how to use it. The actual no bowl is designed to mimic the body of prey, something, you know, like might be a mouse or a bird or something, with an oval shape. And it rolls in such a way that cats associate it with the hunt and it's got two dispensing holes in it for kibble of any size. And now that's actually the naked no bowl. Okay, what they call it, the naked no bowl bowl, because it comes with different what they call skins that are different colors and textures to stimulate the tactile feel of prey which allows the cats to to grab it, you know, sink their claws into it, kind of snag it and use their teeth just as they would in the wild. Huh. And they're washable, by the way. You know what? My cat would just look at that and go, what? Yeah. What What the hell? Yeah. I- <laughs> Where's my food? Yeah. I didn't hear the can pop there, yeah. right? <laughs> I'm not playing this game, Dad. <laughs> well, you have how many cats, Al? Uh, several dozen as far as I can last count. Yeah, that's what I thought. 
the cat father. Well, last fall, we got the good news that the National Institutes of Health was no longer going to be supporting the use of chimpanzees in research, promising to transition the animals into retirement, finally. Now, however, it wasn't until just a few weeks ago that the agency really finally formalized plans for getting hundreds of chimps out of their labs and into their new lives. Now, that's just the plans. The government doesn't do anything quickly. The NIH, by the way, if you're not familiar with the National Institutes of Health, is really the big dog of the biomedical research world, and many of its scientists across the U.S. rely on animals for research, including over 300 chimpanzees. And, you know, this is going to be a slow process, like we said. But eventually, the remaining research chimps are going to be moved to a location or a place called Chimp Haven, which is a facility that is going to manage the retirees, the chimp retirees for NIH at the government's expense. It's estimated that it's going to take, though, a decade to get all of the chimps into the retirement facility. And it's going to be very expensive because you have to consider, you know, that these chimps, a lot of them are, you know, getting on in years already, but they can live to be up to 60 years old in captivity. And Already, this is the really sad part. A lot of them are already sick because they've been, you know, injected with viruses and things like that. And they're suffering through some pretty complicated conditions brought on by whatever research project they were involved with. But this whole plan, by the way, to retire the chimpanzees only applies to chimps. It doesn't apply to other primates to say nothing of, you know, the millions of other animals that are used in research each year. While the government does have its plans for chimpanzees, private labs, sorry to say, are still able to use chimps for research. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Okay, if you're looking for a brand new furry companion... Might I suggest you check out Fido Friendlies. Get your licks on Route 66 Adoption Tour going on right now. Working their way across the country on America's favorite highway. Sort of. I like the 405. The 101 is also very nice. And the 1, of course, is really nice. (laughs) But we're talking about Route 66. And this Wednesday, they'll be at the Arizona Humane Society in Phoenix. On Saturday, at the PetSmart in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And on Sunday, at the PetSmart in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So if you live in any of those cities... Be sure to hook up with the Get Your Licks on Route 66 Adoption Tour. And even if you're planning on not adopting an animal, they have lots of giveaways and lots of fun stuff. So you want to check it out. Come out and spin, spin the, the wheel. wheel for lots of prizes and help support them. And of course, you can learn more over at phytofriendly.com. Okay. Hey, Peter. Hello. How are you doing? Very fine. Where are you calling from today? Reading, PA. Reading, Pennsylvania. I love you guys over there. You love your animals. I have the whole team here. How can we help you? Um, I wanted to know, um, uh, how do I know that, um, um, my female cat is pregnant? Because, um, in my neighborhood, we have a lot of, um, street cats, and, and they roam around. So, on um, one day, I saw uh, a fat cat, um, walking slow, and, um, it was a female, and I just wanted to know, um, okay. like, how do I know? All right, Peter. So, I take it your, your uh, female cat is out gallivanting out in the neighborhood? Well, um, there's um, several street cats that I see um, walking around, and I just... Okay, but she's going outside, though, right? I just got to make sure that it's possible that she's getting outside where those other cats are. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, 
chances are she'll probably be pregnant before long. So if she's not, <laughs> um, certainly, you know, I encourage you to get, get her spayed. Um, cause cats, they, they pretty much will continuously go into heat. So if your cat's not in heat and she stops having signs of heat, she's probably pregnant. Um, so, uh, let's just kind of go over some basic things. So cats are generally pregnant for about 63 days. So about two months in essence. So that first month pregnancy at home can be a little bit difficult to determine. Um, you might notice, um, kind of similar to women, that uh, she might eat less, kind of like that whole nausea thing going on. Um, some kitties will get a little bit more affectionate, and um, sometimes you might notice that her nipples would get a little bit more prominent, a little pinker um, than normal. But um, it, it's, it can be really challenging. So at this point, this, if you, you're not noticing anything really significant, it might be wise to take her to the veterinarian um, because we, as veterinarians, can pick up pregnancy within that first month by different means, sometimes simply as examining and feeling the belly. As far as ultrasound, um, at three weeks, um, we can generally pick up whether a kitty or a dog is pregnant. Now, is it? It's kind of hard to get them to pee on a stick, too. So you, that's not a, one of the ways you do it, right? <laughs> well, I mean, there is a pregnancy test, but um, I'd have to say that generally it is. Uh, it's generally pretty simple to determine um, pregnancy for different methods. Just depends on what phase. So if they're a little bit further along, um, there's the uh, X-rays that we will do at 45 days. Um, and that helps not just to determine pregnancy, but it actually tells you how many babies they have, which is even more important because nobody wants to be sitting at home at 1 a.m. on a weekend and not know if your kitty is pushing, is there another baby in there or not? Um, because you want, you want to be armed with that information. How many kittens do they have? Like when they're give birth, how many? Yeah, it's generally between about, I'd say, four to six kittens. And, uh, you know, the funny thing with cats is that they are very sneaky when it comes to delivery. <laughs> um, and I do get a lot of calls of people really panicking. So if your cat is pregnant and starting to go into labor, um, you need to be aware that that's going to take sometimes uh, six hours. Um, they'll take a break in between. Um, each kit kitten comes about every 30 to 60 minutes, but um, that whole process can be really quite drawn out. And if you disturb them and say the household's too noisy or you, a bunch of people come over and, hey, watch my cat, it's having kittens, they'll stop. Okay, yeah, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the animal radio studio stunt dog, uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the animal radio studios smelling fresh. In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com. Fido Friendly Magazine presents the 13th Annual Cross-Country Pet Adoption Tour. Get your licks on Route 66. Along with media sponsor Animal Radio, the tour travels down America's favorite highway from Los Angeles to Chicago, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events. The tour has helped place over 14,000 pets into new forever homes in the first 12 years. Log on to FidoFriendly.com to find out where the tour stops near you. And who knows, you just might find your new forever friend. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Who let the dogs out? 
Alan Cable, hi. After a minute, we'll take his cone off. I don't know. I might start biting my tail. Here comes your dog watch. They've got all kinds of dogs down there at the shelter. Fixed, um, hips removed. But then it happened. Something Barbara had never seen before. Saw his picture. So I said, sure, we'll take him. Adam! Adam the dog has got a strange problem. Took him in for blood test. Guess what? Adam the dog has allergies. But guess what he's allergic to? Humans. Now there's a new one. A dog that's allergic to people. Seriously? Uh... I know, Barbara was speechless too. I didn't believe her at first, I thought she was kidding. She said, no, just like we can be allergic to dogs, he is allergic to human dander. Guess what? Adam's going to get allergy shots just like people do. The vet seems to think we can fix him, and he starts on allergy shots this week. This is Animal Radio. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. Usable, use it, otherwise cut it and get out. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We have Christine, I believe, is... uh. Uh, on this line here. Hi, Christine. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing fine. And you? Good. Where are you calling from? I'm over in Missouri right now, Rolla, Missouri. Are you a driver? Yes, I'm a truck driver. How, how are your pets today? You know I have Dr. Debbie on the line with me. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, he's doing fine. I was just wondering, you know, like the pad on their toes? He got it caught. It's probably been about nine days now. Okay. And he got it, he got it caught in the door when we were closing the door. Ouch. Yeah, that pad came off. I mean, it was just hanging. So what we did is we just put Neosporin on it and wrapped it up and had it wrapped up. Now, we just unwrapped it like two days ago. And half of it looks like it's connecting. Do you know if the other half will connect or will it just fall off or should I take him to the vet? Okay. I'm trying to imagine now, is this the front paw or the back paw? It's his front paw. Okay, and... They have, like, the, the toe pads, and then there's a bigger pad. Right. Um, and then there's even a small little, what we call an accessory pad, kind of up the ankle. Which which area are we talking about? It's his uh, toe pad. It's not the big one in the middle. It's like, okay. you know, like our thumb, it would be the one right next to it. Okay. Yeah, and fortunately, um, dogs have an amazing ability to heal on the foot area. Um, unfortunately, they frequently damage and injure those areas. And my own dogs have done this, uh, running out on rocks where they kind of slough and tear off parts of their foot pad. Um, so I, I think, yes, your, your dog's pad will heal up. Now, it's already been quite a ways. Um, if it's been that long now, um, it might be worthwhile getting that checked out with a veterinarian. But typically, even if good parts of that toe pad are cut off, um, it will regenerate and it does grow back. The hard thing is to make sure we keep them off that foot. We make them as comfortable as possible and we guard against infection. Um, so um, hard to say with your situation. If you've been doing some of that home care, we might be okay. Um, but I think yeah. it's always good to get a professional to look at that and see if it's something that might need a stitch. Because in some cases, when these toe pads kind of get sliced um we do need to get some stitches to kind of help the area heal um and, and, and do you normally have um your pet out uh, running around a lot or was this just a freak accident that kind of happened no it 
No, it was just a freak accident. It was in the truck. We're truck drivers and uh, accidentally closed the door because he's getting old. He used to jump up on the seat, so he never had that problem. And that day, he just happened to, he doesn't hear real well like he used to. And I guess he didn't know, realized the door was closing and his foot was right there. And it just kind of peeled it all the way back. It was hanging. And like I said, we had uh, put the neosporin and we kept it wrapped up. And it's doing really good. Now, underneath, it's starting to, you know, like it's getting real, like, smooth. It's healing. But, uh, like I said, just half of it has connected. The other half is kind of still hanging. And I didn't know, you know, what what was going to happen, if it would fall off or if I could just take them to the vet, if they take it off or what. Yeah, I I definitely think it... No. Yeah, I think at this point it would be worthwhile to have that looked at because at 10 days down the road you shouldn't have anything dangling still. Um, so that's yeah. where you might need to get something, you know, maybe a quick stitch or two to go in there. And sometimes there, when there is a tear like that, um, some of that tissue can't always be saved. So we want to make sure we do the best thing for him, uh, preserve his comfort. And that's certainly the foremost because, you know, they're walking on their toes all day long. we got to make sure that, um, you know, we keep that in the best healing uh, ability there. So give that a try. I hope we get your boy walking good there soon. Well, there you go. Another jam-packed show. I want to thank Dr. Nicholas Dobbin and Christine O'Leary. Very funny gal she is. I'm going to take some of her classes and see if I can become funny. Yeah. (laughs) Don't forget to check out the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now before you forget. And, of course, you can visit us and get your fix all week long at animalradio.pet. I love it. That's, that says it all. That says it all. We'll see you yeah. later. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.